make contact with you. Oops. Excuse me. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. So, again, just in case I cut out. So, we have Ryan here. He is just an extraordinary individual. He created this entire method. And I'm going to let him introduce himself while he's kind of trying to find space to do that. <laughs> I but, just got kicked, kicked out of my... I got kicked out of my, kicked out of my booth. Oh, man. Okay, yeah, I mean, go. it happens. It's life. It's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, so here we go. Um, my background was actually as a professional dancer. I worked with Beyonce and Black Eyed Peas, and then I was touring in Europe. And um, over time, I realized that being a professional dancer um, really created some imbalances in your body, and it's really uh, a challenge to maintain your body long term. And so what I wanted to do was find a way to create, um, I'm so sorry, can I find a different space? Can we start over again? No, don't worry, don't worry about it. Okay. Keep going. Keep okay, going. I'm you're sorry. good. You're good. How's the feedback? Is it okay? Yeah, you're fine. Okay. You're fine. So anyway, um, I wanted to figure out a way to use physical therapy, but in a proactive way, not in a retroactive way. So usually when people are in approach with physical therapy, they are usually as a result of something bad happening. So they were in a car accident or they had a sports injury or something like this. And so um, body art was actually the brainchild of, it was a, it was a cross-disciplinary creation. So my friend Robert Steinbacher who was in Switzerland. He wanted to um, bring in aspects of physical therapy. And then my friend Alexa, she wanted to bring in aspects of traditional Chinese medicine. And then we wanted to find a way to um, approach it so that it was accessible to people and make it something that people wanted to do and something that wasn't um, boring and clinical, but yeah, something that was actually yeah. fun and addicting. Yeah. So, you know, I, I've partnered with Prehab, um, who they specialize in preventative injury for runners, but like that's specifically like more niche. And yes, they're doctors of physical therapy, but what I loved about your practice, and I mean, you saw me in your class, I don't know, it was a while ago, but I had major imbalances. And uh, as a runner, and I'm sure many of you runners are laughing right now, we don't really have flexibility. There are many, many muscles that are not worked appropriately. And it's hard to do certain things, just like a dancer. Absolutely. So, and you know, one thing to remember is that, especially with runners, but it also applies to dancers. And when I realized this, it was kind of a game changer for me. Every single time you land, whether it's a jump as a dancer or with a stride as a runner, your force impact on the joints is three times your body weight. Great. So, <laughs> Guys, take note. <laughs> So the answer is not, you know, the answer is not to tell a dancer stop dancing. And the, the answer is not to tell runners stop running. It's to understand that we do ask a lot of our bodies. And so we have to take preventative measures to keep this machine going for the next 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the road. And if we are really proactive about it, then our body can support it. But if we ignore the preventative maintenance, then we're going to have to pay the price later down, later on down the road. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more because, you know, I don't know if I told you or not, I suffered severely from a quadrant and piriformis syndrome in my right leg and I could barely walk. And I'm finally like the strongest I've ever been, knock on wood. But um, yeah, getting 
ahead of the game, making sure that you're properly aligned, you're not struggling with any imbalances, just even walking around, uh, you know, is just very, very important. And I feel like it's just something that's very overlooked. And I don't know why that is. I think, you know, for the, in, in many cases, it's simply a matter of perspective, right? We have, we have next week, which is something we can think about. We have maybe next year, which is something we think about. But trying to think 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, that's a little bit difficult to get our minds around because we're like, I don't even know what I'm going to do next week, mm-hmm. right? Um, however, um, I, ha- I, I heard this a long time ago, Warren Buffett, who's the investor, he said, imagine that you have a car and you're given this car on your 18th birthday. It's an amazing car, but there's one condition. It's the only car that you'll ever have your entire life. Now, if you had that sort of mentality and you said, okay, I've got this beautiful car at 18 years old, but depending on what I do with the car and how well I maintain the car, I don't know if this car is going to be running 20 years, 30 years, 40 years down the road, but it would change for example, how often you got the tires rotated, how often you replaced the brake pads, how regularly you got the oil changed, because you know that's the only car that you're ever going to have your entire life. Mm-hmm. So if we had a similar sort of mentality with regard to our hips and our knees and our ankles and our low back and our shoulders and our elbows and our wrists, I think it would go a long way to helping people think long term instead of short term um, and and long-term is always what you want to think of when you're thinking in terms of injury prevention. So can I tell you just from a runner standpoint and speaking with many of my followers, it's not that like runners are aware of these things and I'm sure anyone in fitness might be, but it's a matter of knowing what to do and having like mm. that kind of motivation and guidance. And I feel like, you know, especially when I took your class, I was like, wow, like, you know, I learned something new about myself. You showed me something new. I felt amazing. Uh, so just more so the guidance, I want to say. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things to look at is within physical therapy, there's something called range of motion standards. This is not particularly, uh, this is more applicable to, for example, yogis, um, dancers. Are you kidding? Range of motion? Range of motion standards. So, for example, um, a physical therapist understands that, um, for example, your wrist extension should be approximately 87 degrees, right? Anything beyond that, like trying to force your wrist into overextension, is not necessarily um, bad, but it wasn't exactly what the joint was designed to do. I was just hyperextending my wrist. Just now? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Just at this no, moment. But like, no, but like, this is interesting. This is interesting. So, yeah. so what, what we do in body art is we say, okay, what are, what are the, the functional range of motion standards that we should look at? So a lot of times I have, um, I'll call them overachievers when they come to class. And I'm like, listen, I don't need your knee any higher than this. And they say, but yes, but yes, you know what I can, I do, I can, I can, I can, I can. I say, but listen, I don't need your knee to go any higher than that. And the thing to remember is that when we ask our bodies to do things which are outside the range of motion standards, there is um, a risk of accelerating the aging process. So with regard to guidance, 
we have to be very, very conscious of what I call the punish mentality. So athletes, um, particularly high-intensity athletes, they start to operate from a mindset that says pain is just a normal part of the process. And then here's the more sort of problematic part, which is more psychological, which says um, my self-definition is defined by the level of pain which I can endure. In other words, if I can, like if my pain threshold is really high, then that means A, I worked really hard and I did a good job. And the problem with this mentality is that it's not sustainable long term. I mean, we're talking now January 7th and lots of people have resolutions, right? And a lot of people are now going into the gym with, a, with what I call the just do it mentality. Just do mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. The problem is you can just do it without technique. You can just do it without any sort of recovery. You can just do it without balance. And by February, you're not just doing it anymore because you're on your back with a blown hip or a herniated disc or a torn supraspinatus in your rotator cuff. Because Oof, you just, I've had that. Not yeah. fun. So what we had, I think, I think the answer is not, if I was going to give guidance, I think the yeah. answer is not only physical. The answer is actually more holistic and it's also something psychological to look Definitely. at how do we improve things like endurance flexibility, strength, but in a way which is Mm non-abusive. This is a really important question to ask. Yeah. And, you know, not one size fits all. Oh, absolutely. So it's it's a very, very personal, you know, program that you're putting together for someone. Also, I don't know about you, but what I've found is when I've told someone what I think they should do, no one wants to be told what to do. Mm. So what I've kind of done is educated people Mm -hmm. on what could happen. And if, you know, there are certain people out there that love to feel like a really hard workout was like really good and that's great, but it's also important to educate them on the consequences down the road. Well, also, you know, again, when you look at, when you look at data trends, One of the things which is very interesting with regard to high, well, let me back that up. So one of the things we look at is with regard to high intensity interval training, which everyone's familiar with. The follow-up question that I have for people is what about the other three? And they go, they say, what do you mean the other three? And I say, well, we have to also talk about high intensity steady state training, sub-maximal intensity interval training, and sub-maximal intensity steady state training. So you've got actually cis sorry, hiss on top, then hit training, then sis, sorry, sit training. So it's sis training and then sits. So what so, would be an example of each? So um, a good example of hiss training would be something like Tabata in its true form. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times professional athletes, um, very elite performance like military height, like Navy SEALs will use a, will use a period of time like two weeks and do high-intensity steady-state training, but then they back off. They don't consistently do high-intensity steady-state for six months. Mm -hmm. Then you've got high-intensity interval training, which can be done for a much longer period of time, 
But the recommendation with, with regard to Physical Therapist Association, AMA, is that high-intensity interval training be 20 to 25% of your weekly workout regimen. So if you're working out five times a week, maybe one or two of them can be super, super high-intensity interval training. And then you say, but why? I want to do this six days a week. Mm -hmm. Again, the data shows that if you do it six days a week, the net effect is an acceleration of the aging process. So it's something that we call the law of diminishing returns. Up to a certain point, high-intensity interval training is great. But at a certain point, it starts to go in the opposite direction, and it actually starts to wear down the integrity of the knee joint, the cartilaginous tissue, the connective tissue. And then it becomes, again, like I said, getting older faster, which is not what we're looking for. No, no, definitely not. That's really interesting. And thank you to like kind of resurface those points because I don't really think um, I knew about those in depth. And, you know, everyone on here definitely does not. I, I'm sure of it. Uh, so thank you for breaking that down. Body art actually falls into what's called CIS training, submaximal intensity steady state training. So I'm yeah. sure that, you know, when you took the class, obviously mm-hmm. you were sweating. Um, you yeah. were definitely working. But again, it was never it was never within the anaerobic range. You never felt like you were going to throw up. Um, you never felt like your legs were going to fall off. Um, and I would put forth that it's part of the reason why you finished and you felt really good rather than yeah. feeling like you needed to go take an Advil and a three-hour nap. Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you have sit training, which is submaximal intensity interval training which is something that people who work in offices or if you're on a long haul flight, you can incorporate to make sure that you don't um, exacerbate circulation issues, deep vein thrombosis. Um, And basically it just means that every hour for about five minutes, you get up and you do a certain set of protocols and then you sit back down and you are sedentary for 55 minutes and then you do another five minutes of movement. So it's an interval, but it's called SIIT, which interestingly enough, abbreviates to sitting. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just started, uh, I literally just started like, I'm going to be start, uh, going into corporations and hosting wellness, like actually like more like hit, uh, classes, but mm-hmm. it really depends on the company. And I feel like you would actually be a really good person to like do something like this for. Yeah. I'd love to. I mean, we, we do cor- I'm, we do corporate work all the time and, um, yeah, I'm always obviously down to collaborate and I love working with corporate clients. Me too. Me too. I'll talk to you about that offline. Um, But okay, moving right along here, I could talk to you all day about this. I love it. Um, So why do you say yes to being on the Run With Allie Live podcast? Um, I think it is absolutely important and vital to step outside of your sort of bubble. I come from the dance bubble. You come from the running bubble. Um, And I... As just personally, as a personal sort of challenge, I constantly look for inspiration in other areas, whether it's architecture or computer engineering or music or design, um, because I find that anytime that you study something in depth, you will find principles that parallel and overlap with other people who study um, things in depth. Right. So I can talk to a chemical engineer and can I within, tell you something? Yeah. I play the piano and I used to compete. I play the piano and used to compete. No way. Yes. Did you ever did you do certificate of merit? 
No, I did. Um, it was like um, uh, I played like for Elise. It was like what what was it called? It, I like competed in state competitions. It Me started too. with an N. Um, like, I don't know. But so there's like yeah. Suzuki, and then there's like the Guild, the National Guild auditions. It was like I'll I'll find it. Find but it. that's Send so funny. Yeah, I mean, there's oh my god, there's so many there's so many parallels with music and exercise science. I mean, we could I do know. a whole po- we could do a whole podcast on the parallels between exercise science and music and music theory. I would love to like do that. You know, I uh, I wish I could dance. Oh, you can. I could like kind of break it down hip hop dancing, but it's hilarious. Like, cause like I'm not a dancer. Can I tell you something? <laughs> can I tell you something with regard to dancing? What? I can't. I cannot teach you how to dance. Yeah. I can only reteach you how to dance, because at oh, three years. Reteach me. Yes, because at three years old, if I put on music, if I put on Michael Jackson, or I put on Britney Spears or whatever, you would have like danced your ass off. Yeah, I still would. Exactly. So you can dance. Yeah, totally. I mean, like, well, yeah, totally yeah, dance. yeah. There's, but like, there's you a know. Huge, well, yeah. There's a huge difference between professional dancers and non-professional dancers. But I'm yes. like the only, I, I, my personal opinion is that the only people who can be called non dancers are dead people. <laughs> so if you're okay, okay, if you're well, dead, then, you, then you're not a dancer. You can't dance. Yes, yes. Oh my God. I love that. I love that. Um, so we have to have a dance party too. Yeah. I'm so down. So I down. Allie we'll do it tonight. Play. Yeah. We're okay. going to do it. It's going to be so much fun. Um, wait. So. I want to hear about like your fitness journey. I know you already talked about like you're a dancer and I know you already talked about a lot of things here, but I think a lot of points in here are very interesting. Like your traditional Chinese medicine, your, like what haven't you done? (laughs) Well, you know, like I said, uh, one of the things that I always encourage for my students is a sense of curiosity. Um, I think curiosity is absolutely vital and, if you can, if you can go into situations with a with a, a sense of curiosity and, a, and availability, um, you can actually learn a lot, right? Mm-hmm. So I always, you know, I always preference, you know, things that I've learned or things that I quote unquote know, and I say this is this is what I this is what I know up to this point, but I'm constantly reading. I could give you book recommendations out the wazoo. And, you know, there's, and, and even people that are quote unquote experts in our fields are constantly understanding that there's new research coming out, there's new innovations coming out, and we're constantly learning. So yeah. the, the best place to be is curious. So with that, with that sort of sense, um, I started with dance. Um, from then I moved on to um, uh, anatomy studies particularly biomechanics and kinesiology. I, I love biomechanics. Oh, it's amazing. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, it opens up an entirely new world. Same thing with kinesiology. When you really understand um, the function of the joints, the function of the muscles, it completely, it's, it gives you x-ray vision, I say. Yeah. Like you see yeah. the body in a completely different way. Yeah, and you just like know like what works. Um, and then from there, I started to realize that you know, Western medicine is fantastic Interesting. for post-trauma. Uh, so okay. Western, med- Western medicine is based around pathology 
And Western medicine is based on, I, I, I say that Western medicine is really good at getting the train back on the tracks after it derails. So for example, would dry needling be in that category? No, dry needling would be in it's the Eastern, Eastern medicine. Same with so, um, acupuncture? Same with acupuncture, yeah. Okay. So same okay. With, cup, with cupping. Okay. With, um, tui na, which is the and shiatsu. Um, mm -hmm. There are a lot of um, Eastern approaches which are designed to keep the train on the tracks. If your body is the train, mm -hmm. Eastern medicine says, can we keep the train on the tracks? Western medicine says, if the train gets off the tracks, can we put it back on? Gotcha. And I became really interested in understanding how can we use the science of Western physical therapy, but with a Eastern mindset? How can we use it in a preventative way, not to fix something after it's already broken, but uh -huh. to give it to people in a way which is um, proactive? Okay. Okay. I like that. So I, this is why I started to study the Eastern medicine, but even more than just the actual um, practical side, but the, more of the theory, the understanding, um, the, the preventative aspect of Eastern medicine, but then now we have the science from Western physical therapy. I love it. That's also a whole new world that I'm going to pick your brain on another time, maybe have you on here again. <laughs> I would love it. You call me and I'm here. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I need to come take your class. Guys, everyone's coming to take his class with me. Cool. Great. Okay. It's seriously worth it. It's like your inner spirit animal like, comes out. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it's you. true. It's you, true. You can do, you can, you can do a pitch. <laughs> You're yeah. Oh, my God. I would love to. Um, sales is my thing. Um, so I, so number four, we kind of already talked about this and I don't want to like bore everyone. I want to hear from you because I think that what you have to say about this is valuable, even though you're a dancer. Um, and I know you're not a runner, but I would love to hear from someone who is not, that is not their bread and butter, like what they love, like, what do you love or like, or not like about the running community? I'm just so curious. Mm. Well, you know, the thing is this, um, a huge part of what I do is always about accessibility, right? So physical therapy for most people is not an accessible, um, uh, even though it's super valid and super useful, most people, if, they, if you give them the choice, you say, do you want to go to a dance party with a disco ball or do you want to go to physical therapy? Nobody's going to choose the, the physical therapy, right? So people's association with physical therapy is by and large very clinical and it's super boring. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, um, I think that one of the practices which comes out of more metaphysics is mantra and meditation. And I think that in a similar way to physical therapy, mantra and meditation is very, it's, it's difficult for people to access in our modern world. If you're a Buddhist monk living on a mountain, meditation is something that's probably more accessible. Yeah. What I think is beautiful about the running community is that runners have found a very physical way to meditate. When you're running, you have a very simple movement, which you repeat to quiet your mind. And every runner that I've talked to has said that, you know, they come back from a run 
And not only is their heart and their lungs really feel activated, but their mind feels like, ah, I can totally like chill out for that 30 minutes, that 45 minute, that hour long run. Mm -hmm. Because the science of mantra is that it is a very simple, it's a very simple, um, it can be a verbal phrase. So for example, if you're Buddhist, you might repeat the words, Om Mani Padme Um. Not everybody's comfortable saying those words or repeating those words or chanting or using a Tibetan singing bowl. But what running allows people to do is activate the same part of the brain, which downregulates the stress re- response. It allows the cortisol levels to decrease. And you have the same, essentially the same effect from a mantra or meditation, but through a, pres- through a physical practice. Because yeah. Because, for example, when you do a mantra, you repeat and you say it again and you say it again. And there's no difference between doing that verbally or mentally and then doing the same thing with running because running also has a very specific rhythm. Mm -hmm. And so essentially what you're doing, running is a mantra. It's not a verbal mantra, but it is Ah, a physical mantra. It can be. Yes, 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 for sure, for sure. But for most people, the verbal part is less accessible than the physical part. Mm Mm-hmm. It's, it, 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 some people have trouble accessing the, the verbal part because for philosophical reasons or maybe religious reasons, they, they feel uncomfortable saying some, um, you know, something from the, the Bhagavad Gita or something like that. So when you're allowing people to access this part of the brain, which is using repetition to get more, to release stress, to release anxiety... I think this is an absolutely beneficial gift that running gives to the world. I mean, I don't think that's a hyperbole, but I think that there are a lot of people that would otherwise be dealing with a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety and um, high levels of hypertension, but running allows them to release it. And I think running just did, uh, you know, running should get a Nobel Peace Prize. So can I tell you something? Yeah. I go on what I call mental clarity runs and I have that I have bad anxiety and running alleviates my anxiety. It does. So I love that you said that because it's just, it's incredible that I'm a different person before I run versus after I run. Like I'm talking non-training runs, like leave my phone at home and just mm-hmm. kind of do my own thing. Yeah. No, I think that's absolutely 100%. Um, that would have to be the, the number one thing that I love about the running community is that they're so committed to um, – it, it's funny because the running community doesn't call it a mantra. But when you run, you are actually creating a nonverbal mantra because yeah. it's, a, it's a simple movement that you repeat over and over and over and over again. And this repetition is what allows your brain to downregulate. It's called the downregulation of the stress response. Mm-hmm. It's a really, really beautiful switch that your nervous system can actually create. And you're using the body, which is the running, to actually tell the brain that it's okay to calm down. Mm-hmm. You're actually overriding the fight or flight response with the physical movement, which is absolutely like 100% the most 
beneficial thing, not only for you, the runner, but like for your spouse, for your kids, for your boss, for your employees. So yeah. running, yeah. running is one of those things which really transcends the physical practice itself. And it has a lot of ripple benefits that actually affect other people in a positive way. I love that. So and yes, I I'm, am. I'm pro running. If you, <laughs> I'm pro running. Yeah, we have to go for a run sometime on that. I would note. love to. Yeah, and I also have to put you in touch with um. I don't know if you know Dharma Running, Eric Wilden. He's very into like mindful. Yes, 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 yes. You okay? So yeah. he was actually on my podcast. Oh, amazing. He's, yeah, he's very into this aspect of the running. I think you guys should totally connect. And I actually have um, I have friends in I have friends in the Minneapolis community, and one of the people that just has been a huge inspiration to me is um, Gigi Gruenstein. I know. And, I, yeah, I'm familiar. And she she passed away last year um, with and so I've. I've, I follow her husband. Her husband is named Justin. Mm -hmm. And I just think that the two of them are such a beautiful, beautiful, inspirational story. And um, someday I hope I someday I hope to meet Justin because I just I think he's an amazing person and an individual. And um, I, I think that his wife's work was so inspiring and really, really incredible that's yeah i mean you know but like that's oh that's obviously like that's very like close to your heart and you have that and that's that's very special yeah yeah so anybody you want to introduce me to in the running community i'm super super down well, you're gonna you're gonna be introduced to many people don't you or <laughs> i can't wait me. i can't wait yeah. you'll, you'll 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 take me for a newbie run Yes. Yes. Actually, I have a new run club starting next Thursday at 630 if you can make it or one of my Lululemon events that are starting Sundays at 930. Ooh, Sundays at yeah. 930. Fantastic. Yeah. Like is, every it how, is it like is it multiple hours or one hour? Like or? 930 to 1030. Oh, fabulous. Yeah, it took me a while to like get it, but I finally got it. Yeah. Yes. Hey, Lululemon. Are you at the Soho or the Hub 17? Um, no, I'm actually at the Williamsburg location. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Send me, send me the deets, girlfriend. I will. I will. <laughs> um, but before we wrap up, uh, is there anything else you want to leave everyone with here today? Um, uh, in terms of, in terms of just, just nuggets, like yeah, nuggets of wisdom or, or, like, or promos or right. what? Like anything you just like want to like leave the episode with, like this is your episode, you have the floor. Oh, I'll yeah. Um, yeah, so kind of touching on one, one thing that I mentioned before, I think that um, going into 2020, if you can approach not only running, but you can approach movement with a sense of curiosity, um, I think that you will always be pleasantly surprised. And... It is, to, um, it is to your benefit to be available to new information. So, like, for example, if I get an invitation to come to Ali's Running Club, I'm totally going to do it because no matter what, I know that I'm going to 
if I approach it with a sense of curiosity, I know that I'm going to come away with some information that's going to be useful for me. Um, I also notice that a lot of times when people take classes, more this is more specific to group fitness classes, uh -huh. but have you ever heard a teacher ask the class, what is your intention? I say that all the time. Or set your intention. Oh, I say, I, no, I don't say set it. <laughs> I'm just like, so, like, yes. So one thing that I, I used to oh, yeah. say this too, I used to ask people, you know, set your intention, et cetera, et cetera. But then I realized that the key is not the intention. The key actually happens before the intention. The key is what is the expectation that you walk in with? True. Because if you walk in with the wrong expectation, no matter what intention you set, you're going to be pissed off. Got to keep an open mind. You've got to keep an open mind and you've got to maintain a sense of curiosity. Mm -hmm. So when I, I walk like in. A, like a, a learner. Totally, totally. Always be like a learner. And I say, I, I use surfers as an inspiration, right? A surfer yeah. has no idea when or where the next wave is going to come, but they just have to be ready. Yeah. And then when the wave comes, they're able to ride it. But if, but if a surfer has the intention that that's the right wave or uh, I'm going to have an expectation that but the perfect wave is three, three back, it's, it's, it's not in the right place. They're not available and they're not curious about understanding that the information, which is the wave, can come at any moment and can come from any direction. So in a way, well, like expect the unexpected and be ready to tackle it, like, you know, head on. Like, as Bruce Lee said, be like water. Yeah. I like exactly. That. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Okay. Well, Ryan, um, I, thank you. It was lovely having you on today's uh, episode and today's podcast. And I will post all your information in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify when I post the episode. And... Yes, I will speak to you at 9 p.m. tonight on Instagram Live on Run With Allie. And, and we have a dance party. We have to have a dance party. And at some point. we're going to have a dance party live. <laughs> so everyone actually has to tune into that, of course. Totally. Um, <laughs> so thank you so much for joining again. I look forward to seeing you at my Lululemon event. I will be at one of your classes. I actually will because I'm curious. Yes, and, I love that. Yes, yes. Okay. You made me curious now. Um, and so for the rest of you guys listening, uh, I know this was a bit of a longer episode, but it was one worthwhile. So you better listen to the entire thing and I will see you at the same time, same place next week. Have a great week guys. And until then, enjoy the rest of it. Run with that. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.